Welcome to the Real Marathon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the best in film each and every week. I'm Rob Carraher. And I'm Danny Carraher. And we are continuing our Wes Anderson Marathon this week with Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, we will get to that here in a little bit. Uh, but we want to start off, as we always do, with new movies that came out this week. And the big movie that hit theaters this week was Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi in the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, this currently has an 8.1 on IMDb and a 71 Metascore. Overall, it seems like people are enjoying this quite a bit. Uh, what do you have to say about that, Danny? I haven't quite seen it yet, so I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to see it tomorrow because it's Labor Day, so I'm excited to check it out. But um, I know that this is one that Marvel fans are saying, uh, especially critics that are Marvel fans are saying this is like a top tier Marvel movie. I think that's because it's a different style of action. We've never seen like a Kung Fu type martial arts type uh, movie before. And um, also it's new representation, which is huge. And I believe that this is actually doing really well at the box office this weekend. Um, I think uh, Friday it opened with about 25 million and then the rest of the world, it got another 25 million roughly. And so it, worldwide, it has a 53 million opening day, which is pretty good given all of the things that are going on right now. So um, this is, again, not everything is about the, the box office, but in terms of, you know, the trajectory we're going in with COVID and movie theaters, that's actually pretty promising to see a lot of people are actually going to the theaters and seeing a movie. So. Yeah, I, I think that that is an important uh, thing to talk about is just that it, it, I think, had exceeded expectations given what we had seen up to this point, um, mm -hmm. especially as the, the summer is winding down. The fact that this is uh, one of the top summer blockbusters now um, is pretty impressive. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have heard good things about it. I will definitely check it out at some point in time. Um, but uh I have yet to see it up to this point. Um, the other bigger release that came out this week was Cinderella, uh, which is um, a new musical version of this that uses pop songs. Um, it stars Camilla Cabello and uh, Billy Porter and Idina Menzel and Pierce Brosnan and Minnie Driver. And it has a 4.3 on IMDb and a 43 Metascore. You can catch it on Amazon. Um, I haven't heard good things about this, <laughs> this movie. And that seems to sort of, uh, you know, reflect that idea. I just got to be totally honest with you. The trailer for this makes this movie look terrible. <laughs> it looks look bad. Horrible. It looks like it's very badly made. Looks like essentially it's a step above the live musicals that they do on ABC or whatever. And like, it, it looks truly terrible. Like, I'm sorry. I have no desire to see this well, movie. The other thing about this is how many different renditions of Cinderella do we need? Uh, they, it seems like every like three or four years, they come out with a new Cinderella movie. 
And uh, there's got to be other stories that we can be telling um, beyond Cinderella. But you got made. Here we are. People, some people are probably going to love it, especially if you're fans of any of those people. Um, But uh, I will be avoiding this. There's no way in hell I am watching this version of Cinderella. Um, I think that's all we have to say about that. Uh, Another movie that came out this week is called The Big Scary S Word. And this is a documentary uh, that essentially is um, kind of unpacking the idea of socialism. Uh, Currently has a six on IMDb, but not many people have seen it. Um, I think this is a very limited release, but just based upon my um, interests and things, uh, I, I'm very interested in seeing this movie. I probably will when it shows up someplace where uh, I have easy access to it. Um, and I, I fully expect it to kind of get uh, reviews that are on all sorts of from all different angles because uh, people they, they can't let their put their politics aside and view something as um, just kind of pure cinema. Uh, <laughs> they, they, if they, if you don't believe in socialism, you're probably going to hate this. If you love socialism, you may end up loving it. And, and so I think this is the sort of documentary documentary where we're not going to get a clear idea of how good it is without actually watching it. Yeah. I, it's one that I probably won't see unless, you know, I just have some extra time and if it's on a streaming service. So um, it seems interesting, but I'm not itching to see it. Uh, There's another movie that came out this week called the gateway. This is a video on demand movie. It's a drama thriller. A social worker is assigned to the care of a daughter of a single mother um, and intervenes when the dad returns from prison and lures them into a life of crime. Uh, seems like it's going to be kind of a trash movie. It does have uh, um, Bruce Dern and Olivia Munn in it, uh, but uh, I do not have high expectations for this movie at all. Uh, I haven't heard anything about it, and uh, I probably won't think about it much anytime soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, Another movie that came out this week is called Mogul Mowgli, uh, stars Riz Ahmed uh, as a British Pakistani rapper uh, who is going on uh, a big tour, but then faces an illness that, that creates some issues for him. Uh, this has a 70 meta score and a 6.7 on IMDb. Um, I think this looks really interesting. Uh, I'd be very interested in, in seeing this movie. The, uh, the screenplay was co-written by Riz Ahmed. And uh, yeah, I think it looks pretty interesting. I mean, if this wasn't Riz Ahmed, I probably wouldn't have any real strong desire to see it. But I just think that he's almost good in everything that he's I've seen him in. And so I think this is worth maybe checking out if I have a little bit of free time. Yeah. Um, I it, Honestly, I'll probably wait until it... I inevitably makes it onto one of the streaming services. Uh, but uh, yeah, I probably will plan on getting that checked out. Um, there's a horror movie that came out this week called We Need to Do Something. Uh, this is also a video on demand. Um, and it, it looks like uh, it 
has, has to do with a family that gets stuck in a storm and they end up becoming tra- trapped and uh, nobody's coming to rescue them. And uh, yeah, it doesn't have a well-known cast or anything like that. Currently has a 4.8 on IMDb and a 53 Metascore. Probably a movie that I plan on avoiding. Um, but uh, hey, for for horror fans out there, maybe it's something that, that would be interesting to some folks. Totally. Um, the next movie is Wild Indian, which the both of us, we saw at Sundance. Um, you can currently rent this uh, video on demand for seven bucks. Uh, I ended up giving this movie a seven out of 10. Uh, the IMDb score is a 6.4 and the meta score is a 72. What did you think of Wild Indian, Danny? It's one that I think the, the longer you get away from it, it becomes a little bit more forgettable. Um, I wish that it had something a little bit more climactic that occurred throughout the story. Uh, I will say that it has some really great performances and that's the thing that stands out to me above all else, Um, particularly, and I don't remember the actor's name, but he's one of the lead actors. He's not the main actor in it, but um, he is uh, gives a great performance and i i think that that performance kind of really drew me into the film overall yeah i think that this is definitely a performance driven film uh it has some pacing issues i think it i think it has some interesting things to say uh which makes it worthwhile watching but because of some of those pacing issues uh as you said i think it leaves you at the end um slightly um unfulfilled like it it ends and you just don't feel like you got everything that you wanted out of that that the film um and i think that's where it it left uh me thinking that it was kind of more of a middle of the tier or middle tier middle of the pack uh sundance film at this past sundance festival Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, we talked about how Netflix, they are releasing a new movie, a fairly good sized movie every week um, mm-hmm. for the whole entire year. And this week's movie is called Worth. And it is an about, about an attorney um, in Washington, D.C., who battles uh, kind of the bureaucracy and uh, politics um, that surround the victims of 9-11. And this stars mm-hmm. Michael Keaton, Amy Ryan, Stanley Tucci. Uh, and, you know, on paper, it looks like it would be very, very good. It has a 6.6 on IMDb and a, a 67 Metascore. Um, and it's the sort of movie that I'd be interested in seeing. Uh, but I, I get the feeling that I'm going to keep kind of knocking it down and uh, it it just, I probably won't end up seeing it uh, anytime soon. Well, and like it is, like you said, it kind of has the recipe to be good, but it's the type of movie that, you know, you might watch it and it might not offer anything that's very insightful. It might just kind of rehash what you might already kind of know, or it might give you a, a new perspective on it, but something that you feel like has you know, been talked about before. And so I don't know. I, I, I remember seeing the trailer for this and thinking, Oh, that seems interesting, but 
uh, I just think it's going to get lost in this year, especially because we have so many really great movies that are coming out this year. Um, so I, I just think, you know, if you see it, let us know what you think of it. Cause I probably won't watch it. So, yeah. Um, I'm also just not very interested in seeing movies about nine 11. Uh, they, I feel like the, everything that, that surrounds nine 11 has basically engulfed my life for the last 20 years. And there's just not much more that I want to hear about it. And, uh, you know, that's why I probably am not drawn to see it like I would typically when you have a movie starring Michael Keaton and uh, Stanley Tucci um, that is Netflix is putting out like that. That seems like that's a recipe for something really great. But I'm just I'm just not overly interested in in seeing. Um, yeah, seeing this movie. Uh, another movie that came out this week is called uh, Yakuza Princess. And it is a thriller. Um, you can get this uh, video on demand. And it looks like it deals with a crime syndicate um, who ends up having this alliance with a stranger that they meet. And uh, this person happens to have amnesia. Uh I don't really know <laughs> that much more about it, but it, it is... Classified as a thriller, has a 4.1 on IMDb, IMDb and a 35 Metascore. Uh, seems like the sort of movie that is worth skipping. <laughs> yeah. Thrillers, some thrillers of out there. hit or miss. I mean, it's hard to make a really good thriller, I think. And a lot of times they're really formulaic and that can be a problem for it. So you end up rehashing something that's already been done. Yeah, I think that it honestly is is the case a lot of times. Um, the genres in action, in thriller, frankly, a lot of times in horror and comedy, um, they it, it seems like the same premise just kind of gets rehashed over and over again, and there's not a lot of original ideas left. Not saying that there can't be. Uh, it just it seems like a lot of the stuff that comes out is stuff we've seen over and over and over again. Um, speaking of thrillers that uh, kind of are rehashed, uh, there's another. Uh, this is the last movie for this week. It is called Zone Four One Four. This is also a video on demand film, and uh, the premise is set in the near future. Private detective David Carmichael is hailed by Marlon. Vit, an eccentric businessman, to track down his missing daughter. Uh, David teams up with Jane, a highly advanced AI, to solve the mystery. Sounds like a movie we've seen over and over again. Um, Guy Pierce is in this movie. Uh, seems kind of on brand for Guy Pierce a little bit. Uh, has a 4.9 on IMDb. Another movie that I am going to skip this one. Sounds like a movie that would have been made in like 1982. And yep. it would have been awesome in 1982, but yeah, now... because it would have tapped into something that uh, was very futuristic and uh, an interesting concept. But since we already have AIs and we use them so often, it's just not that interesting of a uh, concept as it maybe was at one point in time. Um, so that 
that kind of uh, wraps up everything for the new, mo- new movies that came out this week. Um, not a lot of big titles, uh, but we are now entering into film festival season where as soon as f- film festival season hits, basically the weeks following the it, as we get into the end of September and the beginning of October, um, there are going to be some big time movies coming out every single week. And as we've talked about previously, uh, we're getting to the point where we're going to have too many movies to see and just not enough time to see all those movies. Um, but Telluride Fe- Film Festival in Colorado was happening this week and the Venice Film Festival happened this week. Um, were there any titles that you were interested in in hearing kind of reactions to or that you did hear reactions to that really stuck out to you, Danny, in these first few days of both of these festivals? Um, three movies that I'm keeping my eye on that I'm very excited for after hearing just a little bit of stuff is obviously Dune. That's been one that I've had my eye on for a while. Um, and there's seems to be some kind of uh, I'm seeing a little bit of mixed stuff, but generally positive. Uh, I think the the key takeaway is that people are saying it's like a gigantic movie in terms of scope. Like the scope of the movie is enormous. It's audacious, which is kind of what I wanted from this. And I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, and my expectations are already high. So hearing some of that, like gets me even more pumped. And um, then other than that, I'd say like a movie that maybe I was excited for, but like has reached a new level of excitement is Spencer. I think that this just like has a recipe for everything that I want in a movie. It's got a really promising lead performance. It's a story that is really character driven, that is somewhat disturbing or haunting and kind of gets into the gritty side of things. Uh, the cinematography looks absolutely beautiful just based on that trailer um and johnny greenwood wrote the music to it and apparently it is a fantastic score apparently the score is amazing so i am and and i'm hearing that there's some jazz aspects of it that are thrown in there which gets me even more uh pumped for this and so uh pablo is it pablo lorraine or something or paulo lorraine yeah it's it Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's exactly how you pronounce it, but yes. The director that made this movie also made Jackie, which is a, probably one of my underrated uh, movies of the last, uh, you know, five, six years that I think is really, really uh, impressive. So very excited for that. And then um, last, I, which I haven't actually seen a lot of uh reviews or re- reactions, I guess, to this yet, but Power of the Dog is one that, like, I had almost no real knowledge of until film festival season was coming around. And that's one that I'm very pumped for. Uh, It sounds like it's a very strong performance driven movie and a great directorial uh, presence as well. So I'm, I'm excited for, for all three of those movies. What about you? Yeah. So uh, I, all three of those movies are, were definitely on my radar and uh, those are the ones that based upon buzz I'm, I'm quite excited for um, one of the things that's 
interesting and is going to be more interesting specifically this year, I think for us, since we are more tuned in to the film festivals than we have ever been before is how much of uh, the buzz that surrounds these films starts to wear off as more people actually get to see these. I think Mm -hmm. that um, there are, there is a certain type of person that likes to go to film festivals and covers these film festivals. And so a lot of times these, these movies are right up their alley. And so they end up giving them higher marks. And uh, once it hits a more wide range of critics, once the public gets to see more of these movies, um, the, the discussion on it shifts a little bit. And uh, it, a movie that like Spencer, which based upon the buzz, is getting um, a ton of praise and would seem to be a almost near lock for the best picture conversation. I'm going to be interested to see how uh, that changes as it gets closer to its uh, public release date. Um, Simply because I know that Jackie wasn't the most, I still haven't seen Jackie and I will definitely see it prior to seeing Spencer, but uh, it is one of those movies that isn't the most accessible. And uh, mm-hmm. I've heard kind of the same thing about Spencer. And in some cases, I've heard a few people say that it's less accessible than Jackie. And so that that's going to be an interesting conversation. But currently it has a 95 Metascore. There's not a lot of uh, ratings in there yet, but uh, that is very, very, very intriguing to me. Um, well, so I'm, I'm excited to see that movie, but I'm also excited to kind of see if it levels out a little bit. Well, Annette is a good example of what you're talking about that, you know, critics loved that when it came out at Cannes. And um, after that, it came out and we saw there was a lot of mixed responses to it. And, um, you know, I, Spencer, I'm aware of like people saying it's pretty avant-garde. Um, and, you know, I think, I think power of the dog could also be uh, a movie that has that, but I think just based on the track rep record of Jane Campion and her ha- being kind of a vetted uh, Oscar worthy type, you know, director, um, I think that she has a chance of, of making something that might be a little bit more appealing to a mainstream audience, you know? So I, I'm, I'm just interested to see where we go from here. Yeah, I am too. And, uh, power of the dog, I think my, it feels very, very, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson like to me, mm-hmm. um, just in the way that it's shot in the way that uh, the story kind of feels Paul Thomas Anderson like, or maybe even it may even feel a little Coen Brothers esque. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I am very, very excited for Power of the Dog, and I have pretty high expectations for Power of the Dog, which means that uh, there there is an opportunity for it to really let me down. Um, but it just has such an incredible cast. The cinematography looks amazing. Uh, this is also a score by Johnny Greenwood. Um, and so he's going to have two probably pretty prominent scores uh, that could he, he could potentially get two Oscar nominations this year for score, um, which is pretty insane. 
that makes me so excited. And that's such a great, you know, it, I think that when we see Power of the Dog, we should have a conversation about, you know, how much it actually is like there will be blood or how much it ev evokes a similar uh, feeling because yes. Johnny Greenwood wrote that score as well. Right. And, um, you know, I, I like what you said about it being Paul Thomas Anderson-esque and Coen Brothers-esque is both of those directors are so good at uh, exploring the uh, setting of their movies. And this looks like a movie that pays such good attention to the time place that this movie is taking place in. And uh, again, I've only seen the trailer, you know, and I actually have heard very few reactions to this movie compared to the other two. Um, but I'm so excited just to see it. And, I, and that's, this is a movie that I don't have, honestly, a ton of expectations for other than like, I'm just excited for it. There's so many parts about it that I'm excited for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, agree with a lot of that um i i feel like this is the sort of movie that has a really good shot at winning best picture this year um and so uh, i am going to be very very tuned in to kind of what the narrative is uh as we move forward and yeah i can't wait to see that there were two other movies that uh, have made their debut at film festivals that i am interested in and one of them is belfast um which has been getting pretty good reviews. I think a few people are worried that it may be too white centric and uh, that it's kind of this white male. They, there's, there is a feel that it may be a little bit too much like the white man's Roma. And uh, I can see that, but if you've seen the trailer for this, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, the cinematography looks great. looks like it's going to have some really great performances and I am really, really looking forward to Belfast. Uh, just based upon the trailer, I think it has potential to be a favorite for me, um, just because it seems like it has uh, maybe a more subtle story that uh, is just a drama about people. And I really, really love movies like this. Um, so I'm really looking forward to Belfast. Have you seen that trailer yet, Danny? I haven't seen the trailer yet. And I know it's one that people are talking about and Kenneth Branagh is, is a director that's been, you know, he's made some good movies. He's also, I think, um, had some less, you know, critically acclaimed movies as well. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with this. Um, the last movie that uh, I was interested in some of the buzz for was King Richard, which is the Will Smith uh, movie where he plays Sir Venus and Serena Williams' father. And uh, I'd seen the trailer previously, and, but based upon kind of the buzz that this is getting, it feels like without a doubt, he is going to be a front runner for uh, winning best actor this year. But the movie itself um, is playing pretty well. And I think in a field of 10 uh, nominations, it has a real great shot of making it in. And um, it, it could be the type of movie that's just, sort of a crowd pleaser uh, that seems like we always kind of get one of those types of movies into uh, the, the field. And this just sort of feels like that sort of movie um, kind of like a Ford versus Ferrari type movie uh, mm -hmm. where it's just a really well-made movie that has some good performances and overall people like it. 
Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see it. I hope that it's as good as kind of the buzz is um, leading me to believe. I presume that it will be a pretty emotional movie. Um, but uh, yeah, Will Smith deserves to get some better roles. And I think this looks like one of those types of roles. Now, are the uh, Williams sisters, are they producers from this film? I am not sure, to be completely honest. Uh, you'd think that, like, I haven't heard anything in terms of, like, backlash concerning the movie, um, which sometimes you you wonder if a movie is made without the, uh, uh, without permission from the family, that it, it, could be a little weird, but I, I just did look it up and they are executive producers on this movie. So clearly they were involved in the making of it, which means that uh, they, they probably have given everybody the blessing to put out the movie that was made. And um, I hope mm -hmm. that's the case because it, it certainly should be. Yep. And it, I mean, I think then we need to watch it from the perspective of like, this is their story their telling of it even though they might not be the, the the writers of it they are clearly the ones that are like so uh with that being i'm always interested in that aspect like i, I think this kind of relates to the val kilmer documentary because he made that documentary essentially and because he made it there's some stuff that maybe isn't there that should have been there and i don't know the story of the williams family very well um, but that's just, there's probably going to be some clear, uh, dirt or emphasis or, uh, influence from having them be involved in the project, you know, the one, the one, yeah. And the one thing I am a little worried about is the writer of this. He has never written another major motion picture before. And that to me, uh, generally is kind of a red flag. Um, but, uh, I will pass, I will wait and pass judgment when, um, when I have seen it and heard a little bit more about the, the movie, but so far it seems like things have been uh, pretty positive in terms of this one. And uh, it would be cool to see Will Smith get an Oscar, um, especially if this performance is very good, which it looks like it is. And, you know, the thing that about Will Smith is he pretty much, he's pretty much good in everything he does. And, you know, he, did he get an Oscar already for Ali? I, I don't believe he won the Oscar. I believe that he was nominated for that, that movie. So he's never gotten an Oscar before. He has never won an Oscar. As and far as movie, I, I know, I, I could be wrong. Um, unless he got an Oscar for something as like a producer. Um, but I do not believe that he has. He's only been nominated. He's been nominated for acting at the Oscars twice. Um, once for Ali and the best actor for that movie. And then he got uh, um, another best actor nominee for The Pursuit of Happiness in 2007. And this this does look like a really stellar performance. So I'm, I'm just very excited. I, I mean, another thing, this just made me think of this and another movie that I'm very excited for based off of some of the buzz from the uh, film festivals is Come On, Come On. Yes. The Joaquin Phoenix movie. Um, Mike Mills. Mills, yeah, Mike Mills directed it. Um, I'm hearing this is a uh, you know, a performance on the same tier 
as Joaquin Phoenix's her performance, which is my favorite Joaquin Phoenix performance, because I think it's a lot of times, uh, you know, I, I think he was good as Joker, but I don't think that that captures what Joaquin Phoenix is really good at, which is being really human and just capturing the everydayness of somebody. And he did that really well in her. And it seems like this movie, he has a really good opportunity for that as well. So I know Joaquin Phoenix is often in the, you know, best acting conversation. And I know it's exciting when we get other people involved in that, but I, I'm excited to see this performance and see if it is, you know, at that level of being, uh, an Oscar nominated worthy performance. Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, I'm glad you brought this movie up because it's a movie that I think is going to get forgotten a little bit. I think critics are probably going to like it. It's going to be the sort of um, movie that may, might get a little bit of love at something like the Independent Spirit Awards or some of the uh, more critic based awards. Um, but because it is going to be a little more independent, uh, I don't believe that it will end up maybe getting as much love as it should. I could see a situation though, where he gets a, a best actor nomination, but this year is so full of big time actors who are very likely going to put out incredible performances. And uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to put out our predictions for best picture nominations and just looking at what's out, it was really, really hard for me to decide on 10 movies that I think like are the 10 movies um, that they could get nominated. And uh, it's just a jam packed full year of incredible um, directors putting movies out. And then also just a lot of great performances um, from some great actors. So uh, this is one to have on our radar. Mike Mills is a super underrated director. He made uh, Beginners, which I thought was pretty fantastic. Um, I never saw 20th Century Women, and I'm kind of sad that I haven't because I've heard good things about that movie. Um, he made a movie called Thumbsucker that got a lot of uh, love. Um, and then he made a like short film with The National for their last album, um, I'm Easy to Find, that uh, stars uh, Alicia Vikander. And uh, that is a very, very well-made short film. And so uh, I'm a fan of Mike Mills, and I need to make sure that I go through and see more of his stuff because he's clearly a very good director. And uh, I, I have no doubt that this movie, Come On, Come On, is going to be very, very good. Yep. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about in terms of festivals? Was there anything else that you saw in the last week that uh, was worthwhile talking about? Mm, I think more than anything, it's just, I know we say this every week, but like it, it is exciting that we are at that place where we're getting, we're getting close to a lot of good movies coming out. The only last thing, and this can maybe kind of be our, our segue here pretty quick is I did see uh, a review or a, at least a reaction to French Dispatch and it was, you know, it wasn't outstanding. It was just kind of a, you know, that they enjoyed it. It seemed like it was a another, you know, installment of what we expect from a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like my expectations for that movie have been tempered a little bit based upon some of the reactions. Not that they are coming in as being bad. 
Um, but uh, for this being the type of movie that could have been a big Oscar player, um, I think my expectations for it have tempered slightly. Not saying that it won't, but uh, we can maybe talk about that in our discussion a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I think this is a great place to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the Wes Anderson film, Moonrise Kingdom. So stay right there. And we are back and we are looking at Wes Anderson's. We're on the sixth film, I believe. I think it's the sixth one. No, seventh, right? Yeah, I think it's a little, yeah, I think it's seventh because there's two more after this and the new one is the tenth, I believe, right? Yeah. So seventh movie, Moonrise Kingdom, came out in 2012. I'm really excited to, to talk about this one today because uh, this is probably one of the first movies I saw from Wes Anderson that wasn't animated. And it, the Fantastic Mr. Fox is totally different than his other stuff, but this is, gives you a really good feel for who he is as a, as a director. So um, the synopsis of Moonrise Kingdom is that it's set on an island off the coast of New England in the 1960s, 1965 to be exact. And these two young um, children, a boy and a girl, fall in love, and they're moved uh, to run away together. They make this plan to basically escape their lives as a khaki scout for the boy and uh, just living at home with her parents for the girl. Uh, various factions of the town mobilize to search for them, and the town is turned upside down, which might not be such a bad thing, which is what the production wrote for their synopsis of this movie. I like that, that little added element. There's also a storm that takes place that's kind of a key aspect of the story that you're kind of anticipating throughout the story as it's kind of set up early on in the movie. Um, so we, again, are framing each one of our conversations with a little bit of a review from Roger Ebert. I believe this is probably the last Wes Anderson movie that Roger Ebert reviewed himself. I could be wrong on that. But this was what he had to say. This is just part of his review. He gave it four stars out of four stars, by the way. So he really liked it. Either, I think he gave it, maybe it was three and a half stars. But he said, the success of Moonrise Kingdom depends on its understated gravity. None of the actors ever play for laughs or put sardonic spins on their material. We don't feel they're kidding. Yes, we know these events are less than likely and the film's entire world is fantastical. But what happens in a fantasy can be more involving than what happens in life. And thank goodness for that. So Roger Ebert was a pretty big fan of this movie and it's clear from some of the past reviews we've seen that he has been pretty much in line with Wes Anderson this entire time. Um, we can start wherever you would like, but I want to know first, what did you think of Moonrise Kingdom this time around? So it took me a while to rewatch this movie. Um, I kept kind of putting it off. And part of the reason that I did that was I honestly felt like I may not like this movie as much as I did the first time that or the last time that I watched it. Um, which has been a little while. It's been a while since I've watched this. And uh, I remember really, really loving it. 
Um, and based upon the rating I had given it, I had really loved it. Um, and I was worried that I was going to like it less. And after watching it, I actually liked it more, um, which was kind of impressive to me. Um, and part of the reason that I really like this movie um, and maybe more so than some of his other movies is this is the first of his movies that truly feels relatable um, and feels like he's making a movie about uh, average people and not uh, some kind of uh, niche group of or society of people that we just don't really get a, a look at um, since maybe bottle rocket because uh, that movie felt a little bit more like your normal type of person. Um, but these, there's nobody in this movie that, that feels unaccessible. And I think that it has some really interesting things to say about uh, the way that we view children and um, kind of the, some of the things that we put in place to deal with, uh, in particular, orphans. Um, and, and, and so uh, maybe more than any other movie, almost every character in this movie is pretty likable. There's not like real, like the hero of the, the movie is not um, kind of evil in a way or has uh, a lot of things working against them because it's a child. And I think that that is an interesting take for Wes Anderson um, at this point in his career because he hasn't really done this yet. Uh, mm -hmm. And there are a lot of aspects of this movie that were clearly influenced by the fact that his previous movie was, the, was Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, and you can see it in the way that uh, the production design for this movie is created that he is trying to take some of the things that he learned in doing stop animation and uh, making and applying that to a live action movie, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, from a technical standpoint, I think he has probably hit his peak here in terms of uh, like basically perfecting nearly every aspect of the technical part of filmmaking. Um, and I think this is one of his tighter screenplays that then some of his previous ones, I, I, I feel like it's fairly well paced um, and the, the characters are a little bit more tightly woven into the, the script. Um, and so I ended up bumping this up from an eight out of 10 to a nine out of 10. And uh, I really, really love the Moonrise Kingdom. So I really liked the way that you started your, your conversation of saying like, It'd been a while since you'd seen it. You weren't sure if you were going to like it more. Um, I was in the same boat, but this time around, I liked it less than I, than I did the time before. And I think part of it is that I was pretty young the first time I saw this. And, you know, when you see a Wes Anderson movie for the first time, it's like any, it's unlike anything you've ever seen before. It's, that no one talks quite like a character does in a Wes Anderson movie. And that was so fresh and interesting to me. And I almost felt like the novelty of Wes Anderson in this particular movie wore off for me. And I, that's not to say I think this is a bad movie. 
I just, things didn't work for me in the way that they worked for me the last time. I didn't actually change my score, my overall score for it. I kept it at a seven. I think it's still a seven for me. And um, I'll say that there's kind of two things that keep it from going up to an eight or a nine. And one of them is, even though I think I agree that this was paced pretty well, and I like the general uh, st- like overarching story, I don't feel, uh, I, I'm not a fan of how much of this is an ensemble movie. I wish that we had a stronger sense of a main character driving the story forward. And that's where, honestly, the movie Life Aquatic works much better. Even though there's a lot going on in that movie, there's a clear character that's driving the movie forward. And I wish that this had that a little bit more. And I hate to say this, but second thing is the main kid's performance just doesn't work for me. <laughs> like I, I, and we can talk more about that, but I'm sorry. And I know this is bad to say because he's a kid actor, but he is not good. There's other kid actors in this movie that are actually really good and they really get what's going on. And I just never felt like he was up to the level of even the, the actress that he's working with in the movie. And I think that there's, there's a level to which you can kind of play that off as they're just awkward kids and that I can almost buy that, but there's just times where I'm like, man, he is just not at the level of the other people in this movie. And uh, that is really disappointing. Um, Go ahead. Can I just make some comments about a few things you said there in terms of uh, both it being more of an ensemble and uh, that performance. So the performances are at is actually what uh, kept me from being able to give a movie like this a 10, because uh, in in particular, the, his lead performance i agree it is subpar um but there are a lot of other really good performances in this movie that made it where i couldn't like i I still had to recognize that there are really good performances in this movie um and so i had um bumped that up from an eight to a nine simply because of that um otherwise i i thought about because of that the acting in this movie making it keeping it at an eight and leaving it there um, but uh, I, th- I think there are some actually I think Bruce Willis is very very good in this movie and mm-hmm. uh, it's a sort of understated performance um, but I think that he does some things that are really really good and his performance is probably my favorite performance in this movie um, mm-hmm. but I think the idea of it being more of an ensemble um, maybe protects <laughs> this movie a little bit because it's not always just on that kid. If we followed that kid around the entire time, it would, it would hurt this movie quite a bit, I think. Um, and I think because the story is so much based on, upon being um, a community, like this is a very community driven story. And that's part of its charm is kind of this idea of coming together as community. I think the ensemble part of this works and uh, even though it may leave aspects of the film with more to be desired, um, 
it's a slightly different approach, even though he always makes these giant ensemble movies. Um, the fact that he allowed this movie to be more ensemble and less about following one character, um, I think was maybe a risk, but for me, it paid off um, because it, it fits into that, that script uh, pretty well because it, the, the entire purpose of this uh, story is to really lift up the idea of community. And so we see that here with a true ensemble performance. Um, and so that, I think that those are just a couple comments that I wanted to make uh, to kind of combat the idea that, yeah, this kid is just not a good, good actor. Uh, and there's a reason that we haven't seen him again in other stuff uh, just because he's not very good. I agree with you totally that, I mean, it, really good points. And I guess, I guess where I'm coming from is there's a world where, you know, I, I almost wonder were there more scenes with this kid and did they cut them because he was bad? Yep. I, I'm, I'm not even joking because this movie's pretty short and he, Wes Anderson has pretty short movies overall. Um, what is this about an hour and 45 minutes, which I would say is, it's not short, but it's, it's hour, not. hour 34. Okay. I mean, that's a pretty yeah movie given a lot of movies, especially in the independent world are, can be longer than that. Um, especially of his level of, of uh, filmmaking. And so, yeah. I, and I don't know, like it, I, that just took me out of it. And I'll also say too, that, they i did not buy into the um the dialogue as much as i have in times past i felt like some of his previous dialogue worked for me a little bit more and showing characterization this time around it felt like there were things that he was doing that was just leaning straight into the quirkiness which i know is very much an aspect of this movie. And I think that's where Roger Ebert's review or comments make a lot of sense is that this is a fantastical movie in a lot of ways. The, a kid gets struck by lightning and is fine the second later, you know? And uh, I think that is on purpose so that the quirkiness of the dialogue or the storytelling is is deliberate. But I, I guess I didn't feel it was fully justified in the way that it has been in previous movies. Yeah, I, I can understand that a little bit. At times, this movie, it's interesting because I, I hadn't seen this movie since I saw Jojo Rabbit, but it had at times felt very, very similar to Jojo Rabbit because you have this um, lead role from a young actor and kind mm -hmm. of that camp feel. And, uh, it, and so it was interesting to make some comparisons there between some of the quirkiness too, because that movie has some very quirky things that, um, kind of pull you out of reality a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I can understand uh, the critique of that idea that maybe the dialogue doesn't work as well here. But once again, I think it does come down to the fact that we're working with children a little bit mm -hmm. and that that definitely plays a greater role in how um we receive or perceive this story because you got to think about it. You have Wes Anderson who's writing dialogue for kids 
and some of the things that they are saying, clearly kids aren't going to be saying that sort of stuff. Um, and so it, it kind of gets amped up a little bit um, in terms of that. So uh, go ahead. Okay. So uh, we, we've talked about a little bit of the writing here. And so I was going to kind of chunk this a little bit as we go through our, our review. Um, we're, we've talked somewhat about the, the performances. And so let's just talk about maybe you, you mentioned Bruce Willis. Let's talk about the performances all together. And then we can kind of move into other parts of the movie. I, I want to talk about first in terms of performances that actually really worked for me. And I want to start with the kids is Lucas Hedges is a young actor in this. Yeah. And he's really good in it. He like, I don't know. I, I was thinking like, man, that kid is good. And I would also say uh, the other kid, and I don't know his name, but he, the other kid who kind of initiates the rescue of uh, Sam Shahusky or whatever from uh, the boat. I think that kid was really good. So there's some good kid performances that are in this movie. Um, so I, I think that adds some fun. And, and, and they pull off some of that kind of adult dialogue that they have. And so I think that worked for me. Um, I also think you, you mentioned Bruce Willis. I agree that he is the standout performance of this movie, even though it's not like it is understated. It's by design to be that way. That's all of Wes Anderson's movies. But I also think that uh, Ed Norton does some really great stuff in this because he the humor works. He you can tell that he cares a lot about these people. I love the fact that I love that scene where he's like, I'm a seventh grade math teacher. And then he comes back. I changed my answer. I'm actually a, a khaki scout leader. I'm a, a teacher on the side. Which yes. is just so funny. Um, and then uh Bill, there's just something Wes Anderson can get really good performances out of Bill Murray and Bill Murray doesn't do much in this movie, but there's a sequence where they're laying down in bed and him and Francis McDormand are, are talking and yes. he's just so great in that scene. I don't know. He just, it really works. Bill Murray is actually, I think at his best when he is able to have those more human moments and that is one of those human moments where they're kind of acknowledging um, some of their shortcomings. Yep. And uh, I, I think that, that they, yeah, he is very, very good in that scene. And obviously Francis McDormand is very good. And to, I, to be completely honest, I forgot Francis McDormand was in this movie um, because her role isn't, that big of a role and she is kind of in the background a little bit like she definitely does not um step in and steal the scene when she's in there uh mm. and that's by design um but uh honestly this performance like many wes anderson performances is a little bit under uh, their ability and the talent of the actors that he he has and i think that's what makes um, some of these movies really interesting as you have these very dynamic actors that take on roles that are not that dynamic overall. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it, it makes, it makes for some good discussion because it makes you wonder yeah, why they, I think they choose these, these roles when they, they clearly are not being showcased at their, their greatest strengths. 
I agree. And I think that it's worth mentioning that the dialogue is good from the perspective of, and this is true of all of his movies, that there's often things that are not being said that the characters want to say. And the characters often are hiding something. And um, Bill Murray, you talked about, he is often a character that has some sort of shortcoming that he has to recognize. And he's really good at playing that. Uh, Francis McDormand, I think, is good at playing somebody who, you know, is, you know, trying to hide a part of themselves. And she has to kind of recognize that and come to terms with that. I think all the characters in this kind of have to recognize their own, you know, role in the community and how they can contribute more. And that aspect of it actually makes it a really pretty good movie. Um, And so, you know... It's sad to say, but there's so much that I like about the movie. The unfortunate part is that that kid just really pulls this movie down for me. It just really takes it in like, he, I hate to say it, but he's bad. He's so bad at times. And like, he's doing stuff that just is distracting. And I've never felt that before until I watched it this time around. I was like, man, I, he's really bothering me. So yeah, uh, like like we said, there's there's a reason he hasn't gotten a bunch of other roles. And I'm looking at his filmography on IMDb, and the only other movie that I I even recognize on here is Patterson, which is mm-hmm. the uh, Adam Driver movie that came out in 2016. But his role in that movie is just male student, so clearly he wasn't good enough to get a main a main role in that movie. She, the actress that's in this movie is in that movie too and they like have a conversation together and it's almost like this weird moment where you're like oh those are the kids from moonrise kingdom huh. and it feels like it feels like it's almost a weird reference to that and so um it's almost as if like he's just playing the same thing again uh and it's not the same role but that's what it's like um, uh also uh, she's in Manchester by the Sea with Lucas Hedges, which is oh, she is. That's um, right. Which Lu- Lucas Hedges is a very good actor, and uh, it was fun to see him in this movie because I didn't realize he was in this movie. And I'm like, wait, that's a that's a prepubescent Lucas Hedges. <laughs> he's good. He's and pretty yeah, good. He's very good in this, uh, and so that, that's funny. I I like that. Um, yeah. So. I think overall, with the exception of Jared Gillum, who's the main kid, uh, I think that we would probably agree that uh, this is a very good ensemble cast that has some really good performances. Um, and it requires all of those performances to make this movie work, even yep. at the detriment of Jared Gillum. Sorry, Jared Gillum. You're not good. Sorry. I feel terrible for him because it's he's just a kid but that's how I feel um the uh so another thing that I wanted to pay attention to and you mentioned this a little bit already is you you said Wes Anderson is at his peak in terms of the filmmaking um and I want to dive a little bit deeper into that and really what stood out to us about the filmmaking in this movie because I actually agree that this is in terms of this the technical aspect of how he's making the movie he, uh, he is able to blend that, you know, kind of whimsical nature of his movies with 
the technical side better in this movie than he has before. So let's start there. Where, where do you think that really stood out to you about this? Well, one of the things he, he's always been pretty good at cinematography, but he kind of goes back to the same uh, things over and over. And you recognize that here. He uses the tracking shots a lot. They go from like one room to another and uh, his aesthetics of his sets are always a huge piece of things the color schemes stuff like that he's very interested in that and that's all here but one thing that i really noticed is he is taking interest in um capturing some of these scenes from different angles um playing around with light a little more and where it really hit me just how good this is, is toward the end of this movie um, when the storm comes through and the way that he captures that scene, in, the stormy scene in the dark of night is so beautiful. And it is uh, filmmaking at its highest point, just how um, contrasted it is to a lot, most of the other scenes in this movie. And I think that that shows that he has kind of taken his skill to another level because filming in the dark is not an easy feat. Um, and you, you see movies over and over, um, including a movie that I really liked this year, uh, Pig, where some of the darkness, some of the scenes shot in the dark, they're not, they're not great. They're not the best. And uh, being able to shoot a movie um, with very little lighting um, is really impressive. And I presume that he does some things with, because this is probably done uh, on a set more than a on location scene that he's able to do some things that make it uh, look a little bit better, but um, it's, it's very high quality. Uh, the way that you get shots of looking down at Bruce Willis at times and looking up on that tower. Um, they're just more interesting shots than we have seen from Wes Anderson up to this point. And I think that's where you start to see some of the decisions he made in fantastic Mr. Fox being moved over to this film and showing that he, he can, uh, do some of those cool things that you do in an animated film and bring them to life in a live action, live action movie. Um, and, and so I, I think that he has essentially at this point mastered the craft of technical filmmaking. Um, and even though I think there are some really cool things that he does in the, the movies that come after this, and I think we're going to see a lot of that in the French dispatch Um it, he, I think this is the point where he has completely mastered it and feels like he's probably one of the best in the industry at uh, the technical aspects of filmmaking. I think that you make a really good point that Fantastic Mr. Fox unlocked something for him as a director. And it there are parts of this movie that are... Uh, I, I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, like they are, I'm pretty sure like, painted landscapes that he just basically shot or something so the one that i'm thinking of is at the end of this one where they're hanging off of the church you know and you can see it, you can see the silhouettes of that like yes that's a i believe is some sort of like illustration that they have yep. and um 
like that is something that's directly influenced by him working with, I think, fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, I also think that, like you said, the tracking, you know, we, we see that in life aquatic with Steve Zissou on the ship, but he takes that to another level. I think with what he does in two specific locations, one of them is the house Yep. At the beginning, he does a really good job showing every part of that house. And then the other one is, I think, any of the camp scenes yes. he does in the movie. And the, 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 just like the little bit of the background details of what's going on in the camp. I specifically like when they go to Fort Lebanon, where it's, it's with uh, Jason Schwartzman's character, and they're just walking. But you can see all of the stuff going on in the background yeah. and all those things. I mean, like that takes a lot to be able to orchestrate all of that and make it look interesting. It, it fits the vibe of the movie. I thought that was just really charming actually. And that's, that's he, I would say the charm of his writing has always been there. And then in this movie, the charm of the writing maybe dipped a little bit, but he got the visual charm to work really well in this movie. And so, um, that's something that I think deserves to be recognized. And the other thing that I'll mention about just the filmmaking, and this has to do with the production too, is that uh, like the set production is that um, this movie felt like a play. And we talked about with Annette, how that felt like a play and that was a bad thing. This felt like a play and it was a good thing. And um, particularly in just the decisions they made of how to shoot it. And, uh, I'm thinking of the sequences where Bruce Willis character is, is calling into at first with he's calling to the foster parents, but then he's calling to uh, social services and he decides to do a split screen. And so you get to just kind of watch them have that conversation. And we're just seeing, you know, we don't get to see like two shots over the shoulder. You know, a lot of people would have just done like a close up on their face as they're on the phone, but we get it as if we're watching it on a stage almost. And they're kind of on yeah. two sides of the stage. And I think that that for whatever reason really worked with me. And it's the way they framed it, the way that they are, you get to see their environments in two different ways. And you just get such a good sense of place. And uh, I, I think that that is, uh, an element of this movie that really stood out to me. Uh, I agree. And I think that this make, that makes me think a little bit back to um, Rushmore because Rushmore was also felt very much play like mm. um, maybe not to the same extent, uh, but Wes Anderson is very interested in creating a different kind of tone or feel to his films than it's simply just being a movie he wants it to feel like something else in many instances that go beyond that goes beyond uh just being your standard movie and uh i think that is part of what makes wes anderson special is that he never is interested in making something that is uh at face value, exactly what you think it is. He always has something a little more to try and capture. And uh, this movie does a very good job of that, as you were stating. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I, I think 
even though you maybe didn't like it as much as you had previously and kind of going through. And now that we've seen the majority of his movies um, all within a short period of time, um, I, I think that I have a far greater appreciation for him as a filmmaker. Um, and I think I can say that uh, with a lot of confidence at this point, um, now that we have made it through seven of the films uh, because of some of those little details um, that you see from film to film and watching him grow as a filmmaker is really pretty cool. And mm. I, I think this is a good place to be able to kind of have that reflection of his work as we head into the Grand Budapest Hotel, which I think most people would agree is probably his crowning achievement uh, especially considering that it got a Best Picture nomination um, and none of his other films did. Uh, and so I haven't seen that movie since the year that it came out um, and kind of where we have built up to at this point. I'm really excited to rewatch that movie um, because I did really love it the first time that I saw it. And I, I almost have expectations that I might like it a little bit more um because of everything that we have seen up to this point and kind of looking at that movie through the lens of it being a Wes Anderson movie and where it fits kind of within his catalog of films well and I'm I'm very much excited for that too because one it is an ensemble movie but it's driven by a main character which is what I wanted from this movie right but it springboards off this movie really well with all of the technical and the production aspects of it and uh so I'm I'm just very very excited for that element and uh I think you know the question from here on out is you know Wes Anderson started his his career telling stories about people and relationships with other people. And how much does that still remain the seed of his storytelling prowess? And I'm, I am curious to see to what extent do we feel like after this movie, after Grand Budapest, after Isle of Dogs and eventually French Dispatch, does it feel like he has, has he become kind of a slave to his own style of filmmaking in a way. And is that that honesty and that human relationship aspect lost? Um, I felt like maybe a little bit in this movie more than the other ones, it was lost just a little bit. And you made a really compelling argument that the, this movie is about community. And I, can buy that. I can see that in the performances, in the way that he tries to put this movie together, but there was just something missing for me to really tap into that, how, how humans relate to each other. And again, there's moments in this movie that it really works, but I just don't think it got quite there. Um, so that's something that we should really maybe try to come back to with the, the next few watches. I think that would be really good because that definitely has been a conversation that has taken place almost every time that we've, we have reviewed one of his movies and you're right. It probably uh, 
Uh, we didn't talk about it as much, except for the idea that this is about community. But we didn't talk about kind of those individual relationships like we did um, previously, because I think it is a little bit more wider scope this time around. And it's not about those individual relationships as much as it is about kind of this, uh, the, the relationship of a society or a community and the, the roles that um, each of us play within those communities. Uh, but yeah, he clearly has this, this desire to um, kind of unpack relationships and in particular relationships that are um, not necessarily ordinary. Mm -hmm. And one, one kind of final thing I'll, I'll say here before you, you can add whatever else you want to add to this conversation is uh, this is a movie that, you know, first time I saw it again, didn't really know much about Wes Anderson. And it's, I think this is actually maybe if you're a young person, this is a pretty good entrance into Wes Anderson because it is about kids and, you know, you get into kind of the wackiness and the quirkiness of, of Wes Anderson. Um, so, and it has the stylistic stuff that you expect of him. Um, but not until just, you know, t a year and a half ago, did I realize that this movie is pretty much really influenced by a French movie called Pierre Le Fou. Hmm. And it's basically the premise is it's a, a man and a woman who, you know, they commit a crime and then they basically run away and they're living together and they're trying to make things uh, work. And all of this absurd stuff happens. It's really out there. It's really kind of strange. There's, I believe, the scene in this movie where they're dancing on the beach is directly taken from that movie. Interesting. Um, and so what I, I like this movie better than I like that movie uh, because I think that he, he obviously thinks it's funny to redo this, but with kids. Um, and ultimately that this has more to say, I think than that movie did, but it's, is I think worth mentioning that he's he's you know taking his ideas from other places and bringing them to an American audience that maybe isn't super aware of those other movies that came before. So um, I thought that was interesting because when I saw that movie, I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is clearly Moonrise Kingdom was kind of inspired by this. Um, that's interesting. I did not know that. Uh, but uh, talking about the idea that he has kind of put kids at the forefront of this and the idea that um, this may be more accessible for young people because there are kids uh, at, at the forefront of this. There were moments throughout the movie where I'm thinking about this in terms of uh, this being a somewhat realistic situation where we have kids that go missing because of kind of their uh, idea of seeking adventure and um, just kind of going and doing their own thing. And at its core, like there, there is some kind of terror or horror to uh, this story that uh, because it is a Wes Anderson movie and the fact that there's that quirkiness and the kids, we get to see that the kids are all right throughout the movie. It takes away some of that terror. But if you think about it, like this is a really terrifying and somewhat realistic scenario that is playing out here where 
Um, we put a lot of, of uh, trust in other people to watch over our kids and uh, very easily um, kids could be lost on our, our watch. And I think that thinking about this as a teacher, like that's a terrifying thought is that, uh, that kids could just yeah. you know, decide I'm leaving and disappear. And uh, it creates this chaos that, that ensues. Um, and it certainly is not as humorous or as charming as <laughs> the situation that we watched play out on screen here in this movie. Well, and the other part of that, too, is that this movie would have been different if you said it in present day, but it's in 1965. And there's almost the sense of, you know, people didn't really have the full, you know, resources to be able to find a kid efficiently. And there's also the idea, too, where kids maybe have a little bit more of that, you know, a little bit longer leash to be able to get away with something like this. it's you can almost imagine a scenario where this isn't out of the the realm of possibility um and obviously the characters the children are all kind of act like adults because that's just as a classic wes anderson thing but even still you know kids run away because they want to do adventure you know like that's that's not something that's out of the realm of possibility you know so um yeah I, i again there's so much to like about the movie. I think though, uh, where I'm coming from is I just didn't like it as much as I remembered liking it. And that was just a little bit of a, a letdown for me. Yeah. And I can understand that, especially within the frame of looking at all of Wes Anderson's movies mm-hmm. and kind of uh, being able to compare them side by side with each other. I completely understand that sentiment. Um and yeah, I'm looking forward to having kind of revisiting all of them together and being able to rank them mm-hmm. and see where all of these end up and how much we differ on certain things. Uh, yeah. Because one of the things that I'm realizing is mostly they're all pretty close together. Um, and so it's going to come down to just little uh, small differences that make me like one movie over another. And uh, I'm looking forward to looking at all of those things together when we get to the end of this. So when we come back from this break, we are going to um, count down the 10 movies we think have the best opportunity to get nominated for Best Picture. And I presume we're going to have a lot of the same movies in there, but it might be kind of fun to discuss some of the ones that uh, are different. Um, And then we'll close out the show by giving each of our top five favorite movies up to this point in the year. Um, And uh, as we head into award season and a lot of these movies may get kind of pushed out. So I think it'd be fun to talk about a few of them that uh, we think have been standouts up to this point. So stay right there and we will discuss this when we get back. You've just listened to part one of our two-part Labor Day special this weekend. Uh, If you want to hear our Oscar predictions and our top five movies of 2021, move on to the next episode. Thank you for joining us this week.